name is John, and like many of you, I am a volunteer here at the church. I volunteer on our senior leadership team, and it really is a privilege for me to be able to share with you this morning. This is a fantastic Sunday for you to be here at Eastside City Church. Um, I, I mean, really every Sunday is fantastic for you to be here. Um, this Sunday in particular is fantastic because... We are celebrating Limitless 2019. And I think that this kind of celebration is something really important for us to have as a church family. And even if you missed the banquet last night, you weren't able to come out, we want you to know that you, we are glad that you're here today because we are continuing that celebration. And the, the reason why it's important for us to have celebrations like this one is because it allows us to reflect on the past, the things that God has done in our midst, Throughout the years of our church history, we're able to celebrate the things that God is currently doing, and we're able to look ahead with vision for the future for the things that we want to partner with God and accomplish in the years that are to come. Thank you, Innocent. Uh, the reason that I think it's so important that we have these celebrations is because if you've been around church for any length of time, I find, at least for myself, that it, it's easy for us to become complacent or apathetic towards the good things that are happening because oftentimes we're just simply not aware of them. Or, or perhaps because we've been a part of the church for many years, it's easier for us to say, well, you know, I've been a part of that in the past. I've already done that. I've been there. You know, I, I bought the t-shirt, as it were. I've actually been a part of this church now uh, since I was 14 years old. Uh, which is a long time. You can tell by the hairline that it's been a little while. And I can say with complete honesty and thankfulness in my heart that some of the most significant relationships in my life, a lot of the growth that I've seen in my life have been because of the people here in this church family, because of the leadership that's here, because of the pastors, and because of that ongoing relationship. And I am so grateful for the history that I have here at this church, and I'm so grateful for the people that came before us who sacrificed and invested so that we could have this church family that we have today. Amen. Amen. But one of the challenges that comes because of the length of time that I have been here is sometimes it is easy for me to lose sight of the good things that are happening. It's easy for me to, to become a little bit lackadaisical about stuff. And maybe you recognize this a little bit in your own life or in conversations that you have with other people who are part of the church. You know, maybe somebody's saying like, hey, are you going to the Limitless Banquet? And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I went to that before. It was okay. You know, or maybe, maybe we're talking about the harvest party and somebody's like, hey, did you go to the harvest party? Are you going to the harvest party? Are you going to volunteer? Are you bringing your kids? What's going on? By the way, we had over 400 people come through our doors at the harvest party this week. It's fantastic. And, and it's easy for us to sort of be like, well, I, I've been there. I've seen that before. And, and if, you, if you dig a little bit deeper, sometimes what you'll find is that people are discouraged because after giving their time, after giving their money, after investing and embracing something wholeheartedly, in the end, they didn't see the results that they were expecting to see, and it discouraged them. 
There's times where people have invested and jumped in with both feet to something, and yet at the end of that event or that campaign or that season of time, there wasn't the explosive growth that we were expecting, or there wasn't a, a, you know, a, an enormous number of people that came through the door and got saved, or maybe as you invested in something, you were hoping that there was going to be some sort of financial benefit or blessing that came back to you, and it didn't happen, and as a result, you got discouraged And as we go forward and we're working on other things, campaigns and programs and things to reach people, there's a part of you that sort of holds back and thinks, well, I don't know. And I'm not sitting here criticizing you. I'm thinking even of the, the attitude that I have to battle in my own heart. Because it's so easy for me as someone who has been around for a long time to say, well, we've done that before and we didn't see the results we were going to get and it's easy just to fall into a place of discouragement. Now, a lot of you are aware that I used to be one of the pastors on staff here. I uh, was on staff here for a little over 10 years um, as one of the pastors. And to be honest with you, uh, when I was in Bible college and I was studying theology uh, in order to go into pastoral ministry, I had no idea what I was in for. And when I started pastoring, when I started working here, I realized, like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I knew that it was going to be a little bit difficult, but it was way harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret as to why, one of the reasons, anyway, why pastoral ministry is a difficult vocation. But I'm, I'm asking you to just keep this between us, okay? Although I did, I did tell the first service as well. But let's, we'll just keep it amongst the, you know, five, six hundred of us, okay? <laughs> Are you guys okay with that? One of the reasons why pastoral ministry is so challenging is because it's difficult to measure spiritual growth in people. You know, and I, I, want, I want to acknowledge, like, there, there are challenges with every job. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter what career path you've chosen or what you do for work. There are going to be challenges with that. There's going to be stresses, and there's going to be things that are difficult about that particular line of work that are unique to that particular line of work. But if you're a contractor or you're in the trades, you do something with manufacturing or with building, there's usually a start to your project, there's an end to your project, and at the end, you're able to stand and look at what it is that you've accomplished with some level of pride, hopefully, right? You know, if you're a teacher and you're teaching children, you're able to see the progress that they're making from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. You're able to say, look, look at where they were at the start of the year, and 10 months later, look at where they are now. You're able to see that progress. You're able to take pride in the work that you're doing. And if you have real terrible students one year, you get rid of them, and in in September the next year, you get a brand new set of students to start with which is a little different from pastoral ministry, where you don't get a new congregation every year. You're, you got, you're stuck with the same people over and over again, right? You know, if you're in healthcare, hopefully the people that you're dealing with, unless you're in some kind of palliative care, they're getting better and they're going home. You're seeing them get healthy. You're seeing the work that you're doing accomplish something. But in pastoral ministry, it's really difficult sometimes to see the progress because the progress that you're hoping for is going to be transformation in people's daily lives, and you're not there with them walking through their daily life. You don't see the things that happen behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on in their workplaces or in their schools or the other environments where they are. It's difficult to measure because Sunday morning is not a good measurement of whether the people in your congregation are growing spiritually or not because let's be honest, we can all fake it for a couple hours. 
I can fake it for a couple hours, let me tell you. And it can be really discouraging as a pastor because it's difficult to measure that growth that you want to see in people. And your job is to equip people and see them mature as a follower of Jesus. And sometimes you wonder to yourself, is that actually happening? And I'll, I'll be really honest and upfront with you here that there was a lot of days when I was working as a pastor where I went home and I wondered at the end of the day, is it really worth it? And if you're here and you're somebody who's serving and volunteering in the church, I think there's probably a level where you can identify with what I'm talking about. If you're a small group leader, you are in charge of pastoring that group of people that are a part of your small group. If you're working in the children's ministry or volunteering with the youth or any other capacity here at the church, you're invested in what's going on here. And there may be a level where you experience some of that same discouragement because you wonder to yourself, are we really accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish? Are we accomplishing the things that God has called us to? Because sometimes it's hard to see. And so the question that I want us to take a, a little bit of an in-depth look at during the rest of our time together today is, is what is it that we need to do as people who are followers of Jesus and who are a part of this church family to prevent our hearts from becoming apathetic towards the things that God is doing and, and to encourage ourselves to keep going in the work that we know is yet to come. What is it that's going to take us out of our complacency and out of our apathy so that we are able to minister effectively and so that we are able to maintain a relationship with God that's healthy and where we're growing and moving forward in our walk with him and our maturity as followers of Jesus? And I want us to look at a passage of scripture today that's found in the book of Luke starting in chapter 8, and we're going to pick it up in verse 4. And this is actually a, a spot where Jesus himself is teaching, and I believe that within this particular passage, there are some key things that are going to help us as we explore this question today. So I'm starting in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and we're going to put it up on the screen for you as well. It says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable, to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And then verse 5, he starts his story. He says, A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then in verse 9, his disciples asked him what the parable meant. <laughs> I love this because Jesus has just told the parable and then he's like, If you got ears to hear, listen and understand this. And Jesus' disciples are like, uh... Uh, we don't get it. <laughs> it's cool because Jesus goes on and he explains it. He says, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see, and when they hear, they won't understand. So verse 11, Jesus then it starts to explain the parable to them. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. 
The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, Good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Now, I want to highlight some key things that are in this passage. And I want to start out by just giving a little bit of context. Because when Jesus was teaching, he often spoke in what is called a parable. And a parable is basically a simple story whose purpose it is to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. And when Jesus was teaching within parables, he liked to use examples or stories that would have been familiar to his audience in the first century. Things that would have been something that easily came to mind that they could easily picture because it was something they saw on a regular basis. So if you're reading through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus, he'll talk about things like baking bread, about losing money, about family situations. Jesus uses examples that are familiar to them. And in this particular case, he's using the example of a farmer who's scattering seed in his field. And that's something that they would have been really familiar with because they lived in an agriculturally based society. Now, I don't know about you. I have never been out in the countryside and watched a farmer walking through a field throwing seed out of some kind of container or bag. Maybe some of you have. I don't <laughs> Maybe some of you visited like Amish country and it's like horses and carts and bags of seed. Uh, I've never seen that. I've seen tractors seen tractors in fields before, but I've never seen a farmer going out and like throwing seed around. Uh, But this would have been something that was really familiar to those people that Jesus was talking to. And for us, I'm sure many of you at some point have planted a garden or at least seen someone else planting a garden or planted flowers outside your home, something along those lines. So you, you get the imagery here. And when Jesus talks about the seed, he explains that it's God's word. And that's also like a really common picture within the scripture. You'll see that the seed that is spoken about is often representing God's word. And so here we have this farmer who's scattering his seed that represents God's word. And God's word is going down onto the ground. And then the ground represents different types of people. And Jesus explains the different types of people that are receiving the seed. First of all, he says there's the seed that falls on the footpath. And there's birds that come along and they eat the seed. And so for those people, he says it it represents people who hear God's word. But then the devil comes along and snatches away God's word. And so it never never gets inside their heart. They they don't believe. They simply hear God's word and they are are people that are not believing. Now this, this group of people, Jesus says specifically that it's the devil that prevents them from receiving the word. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just, I want to acknowledge that that probably sounds a little hokey to you because maybe you don't believe in the devil. Uh, But for those of us here who are followers of Jesus, the Bible explains very clearly to us that we have a spiritual enemy and his job is to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is actively out there trying to prevent people from receiving God's word. 
That's one of the things that he wants to accomplish. And so this really isn't, isn't a stretch for us as followers of Jesus to understand this. We've all met people that have heard God's word before and simply rejected it. And it's interesting to note that Jesus says that it's the devil that's actively at work in their lives that prevents them from receiving it. Now, just as a side note, uh, I know that as followers of Jesus, we believe that there is a spiritual world, that there are things taking place behind the scenes that we can't see that involve angels and demons and this whole other aspect of the universe that, that we're not visible, we don't see visibly in front of us. And for some people who may not be followers of Jesus, may not believe in the Bible, that may seem a little hokey. However, I know a lot of people that believe in hokey things. Let me give you an example. I know people that read their horoscope every single day and believe that the person that writes that for the paper is actually providing them with guidance for their life. I know people that have visited fortune tellers and tarot card readers in the hopes that that person might give them insight into their future. Right? These are not crazy people. These are people that we know, and yet this is something that they have faith in. Right? Does that make sense? I know a lot of people who, they don't even really believe in God. They don't have a relationship with God. But they believe there are angels that are watching over them and protecting them. So as Christians, it's really not that much of a stretch for us to believe that there's a spiritual world and that there's a spiritual enemy that we have that's actively at work even in the midst of the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis. You tracking with me? All right. The next ground that Jesus talks about is the rocky ground. And this is the one where the people receive the word of God with great joy, but because their roots don't go down deep, as soon as some kind of temptation comes along, they fall away. And when I was pastoring, I met people like this all the time. And at first, it was always really encouraging because you've got somebody who doesn't know Jesus, they hear God's word, they accept Jesus, and then they're really excited and they show up at every event that you're hosting. Every program, every event, they're here. Both services on Sundays, they hear the worship twice, the message twice. At the, you know, an hour past the service, you're trying to kick them out the door because they're so excited about becoming a follower of Jesus and embracing the things of God that they just, they're in with, they jump in with both feet. But they tend to jump out just as fast. And then one day you're like, hey, where's so-and-so? People are like, oh, they, I don't know. They're not here anymore. And you're like, what? Wait a second, that that person was like the most excited person I've ever seen to accept Jesus. Where are they? It's like, oh, I I don't know what happened, but, you know, something happened in their life. Something came along, and they just, they jump in, and they jump out just as fast. Then the next group of people that Jesus talks about are those who hear God's word, but then it's choked out by the thorns. And Jesus Uh, Jesus explains this, and he says that the thorns represent the things that those people are distracted by that prevent them from growing and maturing as a follower of Jesus. And he lists a few things. He says he talks about the cares of this world, the riches and the pleasures of this world. And in fact, I want to just go back and highlight this for us really quickly in verse 14. Where Jesus is explaining this, he says the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Now, something that I think is worth noting is that he doesn't say they stop believing and they fall away. 
That's not what it says. It doesn't say they stop believing. It says they, they hear God's word, but then their growth is hindered because they're distracted by other things. And, and as I was sitting meditating on this this week, I, I realized that there are probably a lot of people in the church today who fit into this category. They believe They know what they believe. They've received God's word, and yet they are distracted by all of the other things that life has to offer, and it hinders them from growing and maturing into the person that God has ultimately called them to be because they're focused on a lot of other things. Whether that's the pursuit of wealth, whether that's the pursuit of pleasure, or whether it's simply the cares and burdens and worries of life stand in the way from them Receiving what God has for them and growing and maturing. And and the scary part of reading this was that I recognized that lure in my own heart to be distracted by the things around me and get focused on my needs, my wants, my goals, my desires. And I realized that that hinders me from fully maturing into the person that God has called me to be. It's scary to come face to face with scripture and see something like that and recognize, oh wow, that, that's my tendency too. And I want to ask us today for us to reflect on this. What is it that holds us back as followers of Jesus from fully maturing and growing into the people that he wants us to be? And and that brings us to the last group of people that Jesus talked about. And Jesus describes this last group as as the good soil, the fertile soil that represents the honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and then listen to this. They cling to it. Some translations say they hold fast or grab hold of it. They hang on to God's word. And the result is that it patiently produces a huge harvest. And when I read this, I recognize that is the kind of person I want to be. I want to be that person that receives God's word and holds fast to it and clings to it and allows it to mold me and shape me and transform me into that Christ-like person. And look at the end of this verse, what it says there. It says, patiently produced a huge harvest. We all love stories where somebody hears the good news about Jesus and there's like an instant transformation in their life and they go from living like the devil to living like an angel over one moment in time. And I believe without a question that God is capable and able to do that. And I've talked to many people and that's how it worked. But for a lot of us, it's not how it works. And God is working on us as we allow him to, as we allow his spirit to, but it's a process that takes time and it requires patience. And as I reflected on this passage of scripture and this teaching of Jesus, one of the things that I realized is that I am responsible for how I respond to God's word. No one else can dictate how I respond or how you respond to God's word. It's a choice that we have to be make, that we have to make to open ourselves to God's spirit, to receive his word, and allow him to do that transformational work in our lives. 
It's a choice that we make not to be distracted by the other things that ask for our attention and try to lure us away, try to tempt us from what God is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. I am responsible for how I respond to God's word. But there's some good news mixed in with that. I'm not responsible for how you respond to God's word. We walk in community together. We are here to help one another and support one another and encourage one another and challenge one another. But at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for how Peter responds to God's word. I can't manipulate or control him or force him to do something that he doesn't want to do. And the good news that's tied in with that is that my responsibility is to be faithful to what God has called me to do and let God worry about the rest. And if there's one thing that you walk out of the doors of this service today and you hold on to in your mind, I hope it's this, that you are called to be faithful and let God worry about the rest. When the Apostle Paul wrote his first letter to the church in Corinth, in chapter 3, he talks about how he planted the seed there in the church. And then there was another servant of God named Apollos who was there and he watered that seed But ultimately, it is God who makes it grow. God is the one who makes it grow. God is the one that can worry about what the response is to the seed and to the water that takes place in our lives. And we don't have to be responsible or take responsibility for everyone else. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not there to support and love and encourage and walk alongside and pick people up when they fall down and pray for them and offer them grace and forgiveness and welcome them wholeheartedly into the family of God. Absolutely. We are responsible to be faithful, to do what God has called us to do, and God is the one who makes the seed grow. And I hope today that that's encouraging to you because in the midst of the things that we're doing as as a church, it is easy to get complacent, especially if you've been here for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. We'll stop there. If you're brand new to the church, everything seems exciting. Everything's new. The people are new. The programs are new. The way we do things are new. If you've been here for 25 years, there's a lot of stuff that you're probably like, we did that before. I've been through that. I've done it. And yet I hope today that God's spirit is working on your heart to recognize that you are called to be faithful to the things that God has called you to do. To be obedient and to walk that out regardless of what the results may or may not seem to be at the end of the day. Because God is doing incredible things in our midst. And that's why I'm so glad that we have opportunities like this weekend to hear testimonies of the things that God is doing in people's lives because oftentimes we may not know that individual or that person. We may not be aware of the great things that God is doing in their life. And it's so important that we take this time on a weekend like this to share those things with one another, to be encouraged and to remind ourselves that we're called to be faithful. We're doing the things that God has called us to do as a family, as a community of faith, and we're moving forward and there's still plenty more that God has for us. I'm really glad Innocent's in the front row because he's, he's always encouraging me. God is so good and he has great plans 
for the people of this church and this community because God's love for every one of us is so much greater than even the love that we have for other people. And he wants to accomplish more than we could even ask or imagine. But he's the one that's going to make it grow. Our responsibility is to be faithful to what he has called us to do, to sow and invest, to be the people that are scattering that seed and watering and trusting that God is going to look after the rest. About four years ago, while I was at work, I met someone who was in an absolutely terrible place in their life. I'm not sure how often we meet people or come across people who are really at rock bottom, but this is one of those people who is in a desperate, desperate place. Homeless, drug addicted, estranged from family, and mixed up with a very, very bad group of people who are there to exploit and take advantage and abuse in every single way. And I had about half an hour where I ended up with this person. There was nothing else for us to do. We were stuck with each other whether we wanted to be or not. And during the course of that time that we spent together, I just began to ask questions Questions about childhood, questions about family, questions about hope for the future and, and what this individual wanted out of life and whether the path they were on ultimately was where they wanted to be and whether they saw an escape and whether they saw hope for the future. And as, as we talked over the course of this really brief period of time, it turned out that, that they had a mother who was a believer and was praying for them and they knew it. They knew that mom was praying for them. And it was just one of those moments that felt like, you know, the Holy Spirit is actively involved where, you know, this conversation was divinely orchestrated. And I was able just to share how much God loved this person and wanted to be in relationship with them. And that there was hope for the future. And the end of that 30 minutes came and we both moved on with the the rest of what had to be done that day. And I didn't hear from this person again. And two years went by. I had no idea uh, what happened, where this person was, what they were involved with, whether things had changed or not. And one of my colleagues brought me a newspaper clipping one day. And the newspaper clipping had a picture of this person that I had talked to. And and my colleague said, hey, do you remember so-and-so? Do you remember this situation? Look look at where things are at right now. She says, look, you got to read this. You got to read this. And it was incredible to read through this newspaper article that this person had gotten clean and sober and reunited with their family and was off the streets and was no longer tied in with all of the the terrible people that they were connected to before. And it was really encouraging to look back and say, look at this this one conversation that I had and, and, and look at where they're at now. And through a series of events, I was able to meet Uh, with this person once again and to talk to them face to face. And it was a little bit interesting because they had no idea who I was, had no recollection of our conversation whatsoever. And what's fascinating about that is that I believe that along the way we're called to be faithful, to minister, to sow seed, 
to water seed that's already there. And ultimately, it's up to God to make it grow. Now, I would love to have ended that story by saying, as a result of the 30 minutes that I spent with this person, they fell on their knees and there was a transformation where they accepted Christ and all of the addiction and the challenges of their life melted away and they walked into the sunset and somehow I could take credit for that. That would be like a normal preacher story. Not, no criticism against the preachers in the room, okay? But that's not the case. That's not what actually happened here. In this situation, I was one of the people along the way who was being faithful to plant seed and to water it. And I know that the Holy Spirit was at work because there was already someone praying for this individual, praying for them to come home, praying for them to get off the drugs, praying for them to restore that relationship with them. And so I, I can't take any credit for that, but I know the Holy Spirit was at work. And in the midst of that situation, my responsibility was just to be faithful and let God worry about the rest. So as we come to the close of our time together, I want to ask the question today, as we look through this passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking about the, the different types of people that receive God's Word, I know for many of us here today, including myself, it's so easy for us to be distracted by things that prevent us from becoming the people God's called us to be. And if today as we're looking at this scripture, as we're receiving the teaching from Jesus himself, if you have felt like the Holy Spirit was tugging at your heart, I simply want to give you an opportunity to respond to that and say, that's me today. I want to be that good, fertile soil. I want to be someone who clings, who holds on to God's word and see it produce that huge harvest. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. I'm raising my hand with you. I want to be like the good soil. I want to be someone that produces that huge harvest. I want to be somebody that matures into the person that God wants me to be and has called me to be.